Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Utah Film Pod. My name is Josh Terry. I will be your host alongside Danny Hatch and Mark LaRocco, <laughs> the whole team together, our combined forces, kind of like the Avengers, but not right. really. The three amigos. Maybe. There we go. That's probably that's probably a little more accurate. A little more I think that would be better. Yeah. <laughs> we have no superpowers. Right, right. Who was or I talking to? we can't reveal that. I was talking to somebody the other day, and I'm trying to remember who it was. It might have been my buddy Brian. And and both of us acknowledged that I think we've only seen Three Amigos like once. Mm. Because it seems to be one of those movies that I think, I think, well, I can't remember if I've mentioned this before, but growing up in Utah, I think that there is a core group of movies, especially if you kind of grew up, you know, in the 80s, 90s, that you are almost obligated to know and have seen and embraced you know because I, I always and recite ha- re- like exactly yeah yeah like like princess bride was one of those ones which was hard for me because i saw it late enough that i didn't really get into it i'm pretty sure we talked about this yeah and then yeah. like holy grail and and three amigos was another one where it's like yep. i know that three amigos got a lot of a lot of traction in my demographic even though okay. i guess i've only seen it the one time although i, lo- I, I mean i love steve martin is incredible yeah he if, is Maybe so. This is this is like totally. I mean, related and unrelated. If you have not had the chance to go back and listen to his original stand-up, it's incredible. It is absolutely fascinating because he is doing such unique styling and material that even even though it's like because I think he was these are recordings from back in the nineteen seventies, kind of before he mm-hmm. he started hosting Saturday Night Live and before he started getting into a lot of movies. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just. Incredible stuff. If you're a Steve Martin fan, you have to go listen to his stand-up. I, I love his stand-up. In fact, he wrote one of my favorite autobiographies I've ever read or listened to, and it's called Born Standing Up yeah. by yep. Steve Martin. And <laughs> it is he tells friendly. a lot of his jokes, too. It's funny because it actually is pretty meaningful, and he talks about his complicated relationship with his dad. Um, and, and, you know, like, I did it. He, he talks about how, like, he had this line when his dad was dying, basically on his deathbed, where he, like, believes, like, I did it. Uh, for you, like he did his career for his dad, but the real truth is, he says, "I did it because of you." Mm-hmm. And um, but he has so many good jokes in his stand-up, and his stand-up became insane. I mean, it was like huge stadiums mm-hmm. that could barely see him. Um, and but yeah, I'm going back to Three Amigos. I that was sort of my introduction to Martin Short as a kid. Oh, I knew okay. I, I for some because of other material I guess I knew Steve Martin and I really yeah. liked him and I knew Chevy Chase but I didn't really know Ned Niederlander I think that was his name in the movie and it, he was hilarious and I've seen that a few times I've seen okay. it at least three or four times so but, my my yeah. first Martin Short experience was Inner Space and still oh. still one of my favorites didn't that come out oh after? my goodness it, or did yeah, you I believe, see Three Amigos no late? but that's what I mean oh, okay. is that I don't oh, okay. I, I only saw Three Amigos the one time I believe and it was several years down the road okay and so kind of like with Princess Bride I was familiar with the references because people would always kind of you know kids yeah. at school would, would say stuff um, but I didn't actually watch <laughs> it until later and, and Inner Space was my you know Inner, inner yeah. Space introduced me to Ford Mustangs the music of Sam Cooke and Meg Ryan and also Martin Short <laughs> But, and uh, Quaid, don't forget Quaid. And, Dennis, and Dennis Quaid. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I like those kind of movies, like sci-fi comedy yeah. movies. That was that was a good one. Well, it was it was a Joe Dante movie who also did oh, that's Gremlins, right. and uh, just a yeah. yeah, fun fun vibe. So yeah. yeah, look at that. 
all these fun 80s movies, right, Danny? Oh, boy. We always get it. We can't go a podcast without at least without mentioning at least one 80s movie. Well, it's I mean, like it was a huge era. Like, I mean, to be oh, yeah. fair, it's more and, something I have against Oh, we don't need fairness on this podcast. And, and the fashion was impeccable. I mean, we all agree on the 80s fashion, right? <laughs> maybe that's where the Mustangs helped. Maybe, that's, maybe that helped. Um, so I guess it's kind of a sneak preview. We've got a couple of uh, popular streaming series that uh, are still, well, I think they both come out in the last month. Uh, some long anticipated series we're going to be talking about. Um, but the first thing uh, we're going to address is a little more related to news because uh, it's not quite old enough to be an 80s film, but it is old enough to be an old film, right? I mean, it's 13 years it ago, is, 2009. It is getting up there in age, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so Avatar, uh, I, I assume accurately, in anticipation of the sequel, which is coming out in, was it, was it December? December, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so they re-released Avatar, and it took the box office again, just like it did in the old days. Does that mean that... That there's nothing out right now, or does that mean that Avatar is just that good? Because I just there, I don't get it. There is a lot out right now. Like to be fair, like a lot of things have been coming out. I don't think there is many like I don't know because there's a lot of like our kind of stuff, slasher kind of stuff. Just because like you know how right. mm-hmm. coming out. So maybe this one's like you know safer, family friendly thing. You've got the 3D thing going for it. Like you know that was what was going for it back in the day too, right? So like I think people are wanting to experience that again. A lot of people who didn't experience it in 3D now want to see it in 3D. So, you know, yeah. it's it's kind of that nostalgia trip, kind of like a very unique experience, even though I don't know if a re-release is necessarily unique, but it feels like an event, I think. It does. Yeah, and, and it's a weird thing. I mean, we were talking about this a little bit. Like, it came out in 2009. It was a December release. It even was nominated for a bunch of Oscars. In fact, oh, yeah. Interestingly, I remember this because it was a James Cameron movie, and you just yeah. you should never doubt James Cameron. I guess it always not. comes through with these huge, <laughs> ginormous blockbusters because nobody really knew what this movie would be. I mean, it could have been a complete failure, right? It, we just didn't know. It did really, really well. It became the number one movie of all time when you combine its worldwide its worldwide gross. Yeah, like for, for quite domestic. a stretch. Yeah, and um, until and so, until Endgame, right? I mean, wasn't yeah, wasn't yes. it number one until yeah. until well, Endgame? Actually, or I just looked on box War? office Mojo. It's still number one. So I don't know if that maybe counts the re-release, but it's number one worldwide. If you're just going domestic, number one is still Force Awakens, um, and Avatar is actually fourth. I didn't realize so, Force Awakens so, did that well. So Endgame did pass in uh, Avatar in the U.S. You know, just like Star Wars did. But anyway, yeah, if you combine it, it's still up there. It's still number one, and I, I remember when I saw, I, we did the whole, like, I think it was like $14 a ticket, uh, 3D, IMAX, like the full experience, and it kind of gave me a headache. Like, <laughs> I, I, mean, I know it's a great technical achievement, and it's, you know, um, I appreciated it, uh, but it was kind of like, it felt long, it was kind of hard to watch, and I actually want to see it in just normal 2D. That's kind of what I want. Well, was that the only time you'd seen it? Before the second one comes out, yeah, that's the only way I've seen it is the 3D in the theater. And wow. see, I only saw it, I only saw it in 2D, and I've wondered if that's part of the reason that I completely don't understand the fascination with this movie. I have never, I don't, I don't mean to just be kind of like the cynical negative critic, but mm-hmm. all the movies we've been talking about. Endgame and Force Awakens, and I know E.T. was huge for a long, long time, and Star Wars and Jaws and Jurassic Park, all these 
absolutely completely mm. makes sense even if they're not my favorite movies i i get it i don't understand why people clear. saw i mean because as an event right I, that makes sense you know mm -hmm. okay this is a big deal it's it's in 3d it's it's imax but to get the amount of money that it had to have made you got to go back and see it more than once right i mean this this yeah. couldn't just be everybody I think people did why I, here's what I here's my theory Mark, on Mark, why did they do this? Explain this to me. <laughs> Here, here's what I think. Give me satisfaction and resolution I, on Avatar because I, I just don't special, get it. I do think the, uh, the special effects are amazing because they did this motion capture technology where they had, for example, Zoe Saldana sure. give this great performance as, as the lead female Navi. I don't even remember her name, but Navi is the race of blue, tall, kind of I'm impressed humanoid that you remember that. aliens. I, I just remember it because I've heard I've heard a bunch of other podcasters talk about Avatar <laughs> as well, um, and I've read I read about it. And also, again, it was a huge Oscars. It was nominated for a ton, even though it didn't win very many. Um, in fact, what I was going to mention is that James Cameron and Catherine Bigelow used to be married; they're exes. Okay. And Catherine Bigelow won the Best Director Oscar over James Cameron that year. Oh, was that the, for the uh, Hurt Locker? The Hurt Locker that year. Okay. Yeah, so it was yeah. kind of interesting. And James Cameron had already won before, you know, for Titanic. Um, which was another huge blockbuster for a long time. Oh, but right, right. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, I, the, 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 tech, the special effects, the visual effects in it were pretty amazing. I mean, especially like going underwater and flying on those creatures in the air. Because what they did is they used the actors, kind of like they've done, they did uh, with Gollum, you know, uh, Andy Serkis in Lord of the Rings, uh -huh. where he acts out everything, but then they enhance it with sort of the augmented special effects to make him look like Gollum, but he's really acting it out. Mm -hmm. That's how they did Avatar. It wasn't just pure CG, you know, so it's like Zoe Saldana with all the little like dots on her head and, and like this motion capture suit acting it out. And so, and, and then they they used a lot of her same, you know, the same facial features basically. And they made the eyes bigger and the face longer, but I mean, I, I it does look really cool. Like it's 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 pretty amazing. But so I do. The story I, I've heard is a knockoff. I mean, people. Have oh yeah. Heard so well, many the, the joke the joke is it's dances with Smurfs. Yeah, dances. I remember I've that. I've never heard that. Yeah, yeah. Because it was that one and uh, not the Land Before Time. Fern, Fern Gully. Yeah, yeah, Fern Gully. Right. Dances and, with Wolves and Fern Gully are the main two that I've heard. Yeah. But, yeah. And just, no, like, I do, not that I'm giving you assignments here, but like, <laughs> I do, I would be really curious, Mark, to see what you thought seeing it in, in 2D, because... I think I'm going to, because I plan to watch the second one. Yeah, because seeing it, I, all I can figure is that the 3D must have just been something really spectacular, because watching it just in 2D... I didn't think the special effects were all that great. I just hmm. kind of thought, well, this looks like really good animation. And I know yeah. I've said that before, but this, you know, kind of. The... And you thought that when it came out, or yeah, had you returned yeah. to it after the fact? Okay. No, I've never, I've never seen it a second time because I just never had any desire remotely. Like nothing about the characters, the story, the plot, none of it just seemed all that great. What? And and don't get me wrong, I love. Lots of James Cameron stuff, you know. I mean, where do you, I, Terminator where do you fall Two on Ti and Titanic? I never saw it. Whoa! How? Okay. I've seen I've seen bits of pieces on 
on uh, just on TV. Yeah. And for a while, I debated about going late just to watch the destruction scene. Okay. And I mean, I'll give that one credit. I mean, I I I don't I don't turn my nose up at Titanic. So, like the way that I, I'm kind of like being, I mean, I saw Avatar and I didn't like it. Titanic, I didn't see. And so it's like, hey, it might be great. I mean, I, I, when I think about the things that people love about Titanic and why it became like that huge juggernaut, that makes more sense to me compared to Avatar. And mm-hmm. I don't know if it's just because I saw Avatar and just wasn't that, it just didn't seem like there was any substance other than like the whole thing was just, oh, well, it's got these really crazy, cool special effects. And that's it. Like, that's the only thing people ever talk about with that movie. And I didn't mm-hmm. think they were that good. Well, I, I like Titanic quite a bit. Are you I hurt? Thought it was great. Oh yeah, no, and that's fine. Yeah, you guys. I, no, I like like I said. I mean, I don't criticize anybody who dislikes or who who really loves Titanic because you know, a, I didn't see it, and b, yeah, I think that the the things that I have heard about it, it seems more logical to me that oh, it's kind of got this big sweeping epic story, and there's like this incredible sequence where the the, the ship is destroyed, and they're, yeah. they're, they got like the the song that comes in at the end that you know. <laughs> Um, and so it's not like my favorite movie but like kind of what you're saying like i i think in my mind it's like one of those examples of like classic movie yeah and Mm -hmm. i think that's well and it it checks multiple boxes right yeah whereas like i said i i honestly cannot think of a single thing people have ever praised about avatar except for the special effects Mm. i mean was i wrong was there a celine dion song at the end of avatar (laughs) i'll play a devil's advocate for a second oh please like I was a preteen when this came out, so, like, you know, I was around, like, 10 to 13, like, during this whole era, and so, like, I did, I, I didn't see it in theaters, because I think, it, like, around that time, like, my parents would, like, go and see things, and then we'd watch on, like, Redbox, and my dad would, like, fast forward all the things that, like, he's like, oh, this isn't great for kids, right? But I'd seen, I, I saw it multiple times. Um, we would, like, you know, have our projector set up in our living room and like watch it kind of like big screen and everything and I thought it was like just beautiful I loved the world and then um, I'd get together with my friends and we'd all watch it because like everyone had a DVD DVD of it so um, I I saw the movie like so many times and I really really liked it during that stage I haven't seen it since and um, and I mean to be fair the story was very new for me I hadn't seen Fern Gully Um, I was too young to have seen Dances with Wolves Mm. So, like, you know, I, I felt very invested in that story of, like, I want the Navi to be protected. I want them to be able to fight back against, you know, the humans, right? And so, um, you know, I, I totally got swept up in it. And, and I can see the appeal if, you know, you're not older and know all these other things. So, like, I can see why it blew up. And um, I am really interested to see what they do with the sequel because, like, um, just so many, you know, video essays have come out that I've seen about uh, this movie, specifically with the world building and, like, the website, the whole, like, encyclopedia that they came out with of just, like, every plant, every animal, you know, having the entire language. Um, and so, like, I-, I am very interested to see what they do with the sequel since they already have all of the hard work put into it, you know? So I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to this one. I think it's going to be interesting. Um, you know, Mark was talking about all the effects that they had with the first, which were pretty groundbreaking at the time. And um, the stuff that they're doing now, like they're doing a lot of those um, motion capture stuff, but like underwater, which is kind of new. So like it's, it's very, very interesting 
just production wise mm -hmm. the whole thing with this so i don't know i wouldn't say i'm a i'm a big fan of it now but like you know it's yeah, okay if you are. 2010 definitely was a fan. Yeah. No, and I and I mean, maybe to clarify, like I don't have any problem with it being a successful movie or being no, a popular yeah. movie. What I can't wrap my head around is how is this the number one movie of all time? Because when you're talking about the you know just the immensity of the the other movies we've been talking about, I'm sorry, it just doesn't. Measure up well, I all. mean, Mark was saying that it was like 14 bucks a ticket to have that experience, right? And now, like, people are going back to have, like, you have to pay extra for a 3D experience, right? So, like, I that, think yeah. it's because so it was a more to expensive inflation. ticket. It's inflation that, again. That could oh my gosh. It partly. <laughs> no, no. Maybe there were maybe there were a lot of people who saw that in 3D and saw it on IMAX and just said, okay, well, this is the movie experience. I'm just gonna shell out some bucks for and. That could also explain because I don't know like number of tickets sold if it's exactly. Uh, exactly. I mean, it's probably still really, really high. But I mean, mm -hmm. we. I remember when I went to it, and my wife and I both went on a date, and it was like the most expensive. It was the most I'd ever paid for a for a movie in the theater. I guess you've not been married a Sundance. long time. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, actually, we were. It was '09. We were probably dating. We got married in 2010, so okay. we were probably engaged when go. I saw. It. But yeah, we um, it. It, other than Sundance, I think it was the most I'd ever paid for a movie ticket. Okay. So what did you pay yeah. at so Sundance? So it's like it's high volume plus high 15. price. Fifteen. It went from ten up to fifteen, I believe. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess I anyway. just never thought of Sundance as an expensive ticket. Oh yeah, it, it it is. I mean, but but anyway, I back to Avatar. I don't know. If <laughs> anyone wanna... knows this. Do you feel we, uncomfortable we could, talking we, about Sundance, Mark? No, we should, do, we should do, we should do, a, <laughs> we should talk about talk. Sundance sometime. I, I sense that there's something that... Well, I, I, I'll talk about Sundance, but quickly. Did you know there are no, five no. Avatar movies? No, there five. aren't. Yeah. He's, been, he's been telling us that there's a half dozen sequels for like 10 years. And we're just barely going to see the first one this year. No, the release dates are all released. Oh, that's December doesn't of twenty twenty four, twenty six, and twenty eight. Right. I. It's. I mean, if they if have the movie... th if they have the fourth one out in what twenty twenty six, that what you said? Uh, twenty twenty six. Yeah, is the fourth one. That's the fourth one. If that comes out in twenty twenty six, I owe you a taco, brother. Well, I think I'm going to be getting that taco because one third of Avatar Four has already been filmed. Oh yeah. Oh. I think a lot of it has just been that technology catching. Oh wait, I have an update. Yeah. John John Landau said a third of Avatar Four had has already been filmed, but then it was announced at D23 Expo, which is I guess the annual Disney Expo on right. September 9th, that Avatar Four just began filming. Mm -hmm. So somebody. <laughs> put out some fake news uh -huh. but well to be and i do want to say josh i do think that these will be produced because disney is kind of connected to it now and they're definitely like sticklers about like let's get that production line going so i think that's also helping things plus they have their avatar world so they mm -hmm. they, they have a huge you know investment in you know a lot so of you're saying they're gonna really... force it down our throats no matter what I think so. Listen to this budget. All Unless five movies. One point two three billion with a B dollars for all five avatars. Well, stretch five across avatars. five movies. I mean. Oh, this is so dumb. 
I bet Josh loves that we're just doing an entire Avatar podcast right now. That's no, that's, no, this is seriously like this is this has mystified me for a long time. Like, first of all, just the popularity of the movie itself, right? Because, yeah. like I said, I get it. I mean, I could see this being like hundreds of millions of dollars and all the you know because everybody loved the 3d and stuff number one movie of all time for however many years it was no not even close no way not even with inflation but then then there's like the whole oh i've got like half a dozen sequels planned and he's seriously been saying this for like 10 years and if he pulls it off that's fine maybe i shouldn't doubt james cameron but <laughs> i don't really have any interest in seeing this sequel let alone another three or four and you know, you just, yeah, we'll J see. Uh, we'll see if they can be more successful than the uh, Fantastic Beasts franchise because Ooh. they had a lot of sequels planned too, as I recall. Oh yeah, yeah. I think there there have been a bunch of like would be franchises that didn't quite get off the ground because like they didn't start out well. Like the one with Daniel Craig and Nicole Kidman about uh, his Dark Materials. Do you remember that one? No, um, I, I think that that was intended to be several movies because it's a lot of books and I okay. think they only ended up making one. See, now that um, that would be a fun podcast if we made yeah. if we came up with like a top 10 list of the funniest movies that I don't know. How do I describe this? Like bad movies that obviously weren't going to get sequels that still ended on some kind of a world building obvious mm -hmm. nod thinking that they were going to get a sequel yeah right that well, actually just might it, make that make sense because the ones that i think of are ones where i'm all like it's i'll never have it it's called the golden compass the one i was thinking about okay oh okay oh, yeah i remember that you remember that and it's a bunch of there's a bunch of books by philip pullman um yeah. and the the movie came out and i just i don't think it did quite as well as they wanted and i think they yeah. only just made the one movie yeah um and well, the other and then, one i was thinking about was Actually, I'm wrong on this, but I was thinking The Lion, the Witch, and the Road, but they did end up making about they, three movies of that one. Yeah, yeah, okay. and then I think the biggest or one of the bigger recent kind of flops was the because uh, they were going to do a whole series of the monster movies from was it Universal? Because the Mummy from a couple of oh, years ago with Tom the Cruise, DC EU, yeah, the was dark, supposed uh, to be part of you know they were going to do Wolfman and all that stuff too, and that just completely. But no, it, it seems it. I swear, it seems like every third movie I see, at least, has something at the end True. that suggests, and this is just the start. And then mm -hmm. the movie just like tanks, and oh, never mind. You know. Yeah. But yep. anyway, I remember I hearing that too. I need to talk about something positive because I feel like I'm okay. I'm being very very negative and. <laughs> Do you and, have something positive to share with us? Um. Something you've been watching well, I mean, as I as I think about the stuff that we still want to talk about tonight. I think I can be comparatively positive. Certainly more positive <laughs> than than with with, with uh, Avatar. With Avatar, yeah. yeah. So so I don't know. I mean, we have two series that have I think really just like launched in the last. I mean, because Andor was last week. Mm -hmm. Last week with today being the 29th of September, um, and then Rings of Power. How long has Rings of Power been out now? Has that been a whole month, or has it just been like three weeks? I, don't I feel know. like it's been a month um, almost. Anyway, I mean, they're both both within the last month, right? September first. Yeah. yeah, it was it was yeah. four weeks ago. Okay. Yeah. Well, so which one do we want to talk about first between those two? What do you think? Whichever one's going to boost your mood. 
<laughs> yeah, why don't you just, whichever one you like better, why don't you just start with that? Because you've seen them both, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. No, I, as of, so as of this recording, I've watched the first four episodes of Andor, and I've watched the first three episodes of Rings of Power. Um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, Andor is more brand new, brand new. So maybe we should start with that one. Yeah, let's okay. do it. Um, yeah, no. So, uh, I mean, just by way of background, this is, uh, this is the latest Disney Plus Star Wars series. Um, what was the last one? I mean, the last one would have been uh, Obi-Wan, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Would have been Kenobi. Um, so, yeah, I mean, pretty, pretty high clip, I would say, you know, because it wasn't that long before uh, we did uh, um, Boba Fett was a little while ago. Now, when when is the next Mandalorian season supposed to come out? Or is there is another th- one, right? I thought it was supposed yeah, to be guess. this this uh, this year, but I could be wrong. Let me let me check. Yeah, because anyway, I, oh, I guess February. my point. February. Okay, yeah. so not yeah. too long, but uh, yeah. no, because they have been uh, coming out at a pretty, uh, you know, pretty regular pace, and and Andor is, I I guess you'd have to say it, it's the uh, prequel series to Rogue One, so Rogue One was the immediate immediate prequel to A New Hope slash the original Star Wars, mm-hmm. and Andor is a uh, you know multi part series that is it tells the story of uh, Cassian Andor was the not the he was not the protagonist of Rogue One um but he was kind of like the almost like the sidekick you know I don't you could almost argue maybe the love interest there was a little bit of there was some chemistry there um but uh anyway so he was one of the rebels who who stole the Death Star plans and uh and so this series is about how he joined the Rebel Alliance and I mean, that's really just kind of it's so it's his origin story. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, so far, so good. It takes I would I would say um, it took me about three episodes to kind of get into it. Um, mm-hmm. The first couple of episodes were a little bit more on the slow paced side, um, not necessarily in a bad way. Um, I I almost feel like I have to include this for context just in case there's any any unfair negativity or misinterpreted negativity but so when you when you get a screener link to watch something early and and you're watching it online like as opposed to going to a theater and a press screening a lot of times in order to ensure that you don't pirate the you know the new content and put it around they they will like the the disney plus or whoever it is will actually superimpose your your own email address across the screen. And so so like you know, it would be like trying to watch me with this and 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 of course it's varying places and sizes and the size of my email address when I was trying to watch the pre-screen links for Andor was like so you remember the size of the titles in Civil War? from uh you know the marvel a couple of years ago i don't you don't remember how big were they they were big they were large <laughs> um the andor anti-piracy titles were not quite that big but just as obnoxious and so if you imagine like trying to watch an entire episode of a show through that like even though it's kind of transparent it's still like so distracting in fact, because yeah. I, I had access to the first four episodes before the first three were released. 
And I still didn't want to watch all four because it's like, you know what? Nuts to this. I'm just going to wait till it comes out because I'm tired of watching, trying to watch this show through my, through my email address. Anyway, so I think partially for that reason, I wasn't able to appreciate the first couple of episodes as much because I was just really agitated by this. Mm -hmm. um, but in terms of action and kind of momentum, uh, the series, it, it takes about until the third episode before things really kind of get going. And uh, it's even though even though the whole series is a prequel, um, it also has some elements uh, kind of like with uh, Book of Boba Fett, where you're kind of toggling between two different uh, timelines where um, there's the just a few years before Rogue One, which is showing Andor's, uh, you know, story about how he is joining the Rebel Alliance. But then it also flashes back to when he was a child and kind of how he first uh, leaves his his home planet. And he, he's really in kind of like more of a, I guess, comparatively would be like a third world situation where the 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 upbringing he had was was did not have a lot of technology or anything, you know, certainly by Star Wars standards. And then he winds up getting uh, picked up by I'm trying to remember, like there's there's some like crashed Imperial ship on his planet and some some other proto rebels rescue him and take him off and so he's he kind of lives this vagabond life that uh eventually you know as an adult he gets kind of drafted from into the rebel alliance and hmm. uh so i don't know i mean i there's you know so so there you kind of following his story as he's kind of getting integrated into you know groups that are going to lead him to the alliance and at the same time there's kind of this it's not it's like a it's almost like a the relationship I'm thinking is like a third party vendor in Amazon where it's not necessarily the empire like the imperial bad guys who are chasing him but it's almost like a contractor that the empire uses to manage some of the smaller systems there's one mm -hmm. one particular guy who's trying to hunt andor down and and uh and so there's so there's kind of a pursuer you know kind of in this in the same way that uh Oh, is it third sister was the character from Kenobi. Mm -hmm. So in the same way that she is going after Obi-Wan, this guy from like this third party Amazon vendor version of, <laughs> I don't even know. It's, it's almost like a rent-a-cop. You could almost say like, there's this rent-a-cop guy and he's chasing after Andor, but then the empire steps in and says, you suck. You're, you're you know, you can't do this anymore. The empire's taken over because you're blowing it. And, uh, you know, so that's, and that's the first four episodes. Um, but, uh, no, no, it, it is, it is more fun than that. And, and like I say, I, the, the thing that I take away, I mean, there's, you know, there's a good production value and it, it has more of kind of the look and feel of Rogue One. And, and that's for that. That's one of the main reasons that I feel like, unlike, certainly unlike Mandalorian and to a lesser extent, Boba Fett and, and also, like Kenobi, I think that wrote that in the same way that Rogue One was designed more for adults, I think that Andor comparatively, you know, compared to the other streaming series is intended for adult fans, not in terms of mm -hmm. like inappropriate content, but just in terms of like, it doesn't, they're not plugging in kid characters to kind of check the Disney boxes, you know, and mm -hmm. there's, there's not really any like silly humor or anything. It's, it's a little bit more sober 
a little mm-hmm. bit more kind of slow character character driven and stuff in the same way that Rogue One was. And and so, you know, not that that necessarily makes it better or worse. I mean, I, I enjoyed it um, as a I, I have enjoyed it as a series so far. Um, but uh, that did stand out to me is, is in terms of kind of a characteristic of it is that, oh, yeah, I don't, I don't, they're not they want this to be different from the other Star Wars series. So, I, yeah, I've read I mean, I haven't seen it, so I don't I, I was going to say, like, so you haven't seen it. Either. OK, I haven't seen any of them, but I did read that it's a more it is more of an adult, mature type Star Wars and it right. may, if it's successful and people respond to it, it may signal a little shift or a new direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I've read that the hero is is not perfect. He's a complex hero. Like he does things that are probably some other Star Wars heroes yeah. probably wouldn't do. And so, I do plan to watch it. Mm-hmm. I'll definitely check that one out. No, and that's, I mean, that, as I recall, was really one of the themes or ideas with rogue one was that you know we kind of have this idea that the rebel alliance is all like luke skywalker right but or yeah not really i mean you know i think one of the things that was fun about rogue one was seeing that okay well these people are really conflicted you know and they're they're kind of torn from from their happy backgrounds and and kind of forced into these conflicted situations and and so this this series is very much an extension of that and uh yeah so i mean it's not i mean i don't know i don't know that i would say that i like it better than the mandalorian i mean i still think the mandalorian is kind of the most fun of of all the streaming series so far um but uh but it's good and you know if you if you want a little bit more of a like i kind of they say more of a character driven you know because they're they're really not bending over backwards to have lots of action sequences and and Mm -hmm. and no like i said they're not bringing in young princess Leia or baby Yoda or anything to, uh, you know, there's, I, I don't know that there's going to be a whole, as much of a marketing push behind this series as there would behind, you know, uh, I'd say down at the Disney store, but the Disney store, at least in Salt Lake doesn't exist anymore. So mm. what are you going to do? You, <laughs> have to, you can use that internet thing to, uh, order your, <laughs> order your star Wars toys now. Go on to, right. on to the interwebs. Yeah. Work yep. through Amazon yeah. and <laughs> order things. <laughs> You'd have to order things the way ninety nine percent of the world does now, apparently. So yeah. Forcing yeah. us to get with the times. Who do they think they are? Apple. God. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. So uh, I don't know if there's much more to say about uh, and or maybe uh, Mark because I know I know that you started Rings of Power before I did, so maybe. Yeah. Lest yeah, I, I can, just I, keep talking for the whole episode. Maybe well, you should hear I'll, from the other people on the podcast. Yeah, let me give a little background. And what I'm going to try to do this, and you guys check me on this, because sure. I, when we were talking about it before, I realized, like, I don't, I don't think I want to just constantly compare it to the, this source. I'm going to say the source material, but The Lord of the Rings, whether we're talking about the books or the movies, I'm really going to try to judge it on its own merits as its own separate work. Um, because it's so easy to do that, I think, to just constantly re- reference something in relation to something else that it's sort of okay. inspired by and based on and supposed to be consistent with. So I have, have, I have specific things. thoughts on that. So okay, well, I'm glad, no, I'm glad to you're going to. No, they, we're going gonna to have a good discussion here. Yeah, I think we will. Um, and also, I, I kind of like to have a general like book versus movie discussion, too. I always want, I always want people to try to judge those. All right, we're going for well. a two-hour episode. For sure. 
ladies nope, and gentlemen. Three, oh my gosh. three hours. <laughs> three hours. <So> anyway, three <laughs> hours. Let's do it. So this will the be the extended cut. We'll have all of our. <laughs> there we we have this. This. Uh, it's. It's called the Lord of the Rings. Rings of Power. Rings of Power, and it just came out on Amazon. Um, it's been filming for a long time. There are eight episodes. Five have been released, starting this weekend when people are listening to this but you know september 30th they're going to release an episode every friday until they get to eight and that'll be considered the first season of rings of power um, and i have seen the first five so i've seen all the ones that are available uh really it starts with galadriel who is the elf also from the oh i gotta be careful i didn't want to do that galadriel is a character it's okay. in another you have to give it context yeah, I have to, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think, think that's the hard to. thing is that it is kind of connected because yeah, it, it, it says like a Lord of the Rings story with it, it is. or something like that. Yeah, so, like, I guess in terms of quality and stuff, I'm trying not to like do constant comparisons, but but Galadriel is a character throughout Lord of the Rings, yeah. and she's a, she's immortal, she's an elf, and so it makes sense. And um, there's another elf named Elrond who she's friends with, but she narrates it just like she narrates at, at Lord of the Rings right from the beginning. Um, and, and what it does is it kind of, it's throughout what's called, it's kind of the very beginning starts in what's called the first age, first age where there's elves and men and other creatures who live. And then most of the series really takes place during the second age. It's still centuries before the third age, which is the Lord of the, when the Lord of the Rings takes place. And there's a great, uh, the, the, the villain who is defeated near the beginning is named Mor Morgoth, trying to pronounce it correctly. Um, and he has a servant named Sauron. Sauron. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but that's that's the one you, you know from Sauron, wasn't it? Sauron. Sauron. Yeah, it's Sauron. And um, and so what we do is we immediately start out with a bunch of stories of separate characters that uh, they kind of go back and forth between their stories. So one of them is um, th this. She's a very determined, ambitious, you know, elfin fighter uh played by morfid clark and that's that's galadriel and she wants to hunt down and, and find sauron and after centuries of basically with a band of other elfin elf fighters they don't really find much although she believes that she finds evidence that sauron is still out there and so they return back to their kingdom and they're basically said hey we've won there's there's no evil there's no there's no ongoing war and everybody, and so what they do is they send people to, I think it's called Valinor, Valinor, and it's where they can go out west and sail into this beautiful paradise and live forever. And she's in retirement with it, retirement, sort of elf <laughs> retirement, right? Yeah, sure. And she's not happy with that. And that's kind of where we start. And 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 it's interesting if there, if I mean, I know there's an ensemble of characters, but if I mm -hmm. were to pick one who is the primary character of Yeah, she's the protagonist Rings for sure. Power, yeah. She's the yeah. one. It's it's yeah. her. And then you also have these creatures called the Harfoots, which are sort of like hobbits, but not quite. Um, I assume that they were, but they're not. They're they're sort of a precursor race to hobbits. And um, interestingly, uh, when and 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 J.R.R. Tolkien wrote about Harfoots, they have a browner complexion than hobbits. So some of what we've sort of talked about in the past maybe appears to be a slightly more accurate than, than we thought. And, um, and so there's one who's an adventurous uh, little uh, Harfoot named Nori who really wants to get out and explore the world and doesn't want to just be always, you know, part of the, part of the tribe and, and wants to go out and do her own things. And so kind of presents her as sort of an ambitious spirit who's, who's ready to try other things. And 
one of the things that happens in the first episode is this mysterious, tall, perhaps human-like stranger crashes into the earth, almost like a meteor. Um, and so part of what we're trying to learn throughout the series is who is this person? There are some magical powers. He can barely speak English or common, as Tolkien would say. And, um, and, so, you, and so that's kind of an interesting sort of subplot is, is mm -hmm. who is this stranger and is he really there to help? And, um, and it's, it's sort of an adventure for Nori. It's like something different, something new. Um, and I think, uh, oh, I'm just going to do it. Nori's contrasted with, from Frodo because uh, Frodo doesn't, you know, has to sort of be urged on by his own, the goodness of his heart and his other people to, to go on this really dangerous quest. And Nori seems like the type that would do it the moment that she's, you know, confronted with such a quest. Um, and then there's, there's, uh, there's Elrond, who I mentioned is another elf. He visits a dwarf, uh, Moria, which is where the dwarfs live. And the, the, one of the cool things I like about Moria is we see it before it's been completely destroyed and overrun by, by orcs and by evil, because we're seeing the second age. It's like this really cool um, intermountain, I don't mean intermountain, but inside of a mountain-like <laughs> kingdom. And um, what's their healthcare trying to make like, up Mark? a word? And I just what's, the, what's I, their level of healthcare? Up. Are they yeah? They have good insurance. <laughs> those dwarves. So, so Durin, you know, Durin and uh, and Elrond are friends, but it's kind of funny because for pretty much the first couple episodes, Durin is pretty angry with Elrond because he hasn't visited in twenty years, which for him is a huge deal. He's married, he's got kids, you know, but for Elrond, who is an elf, it's like nothing. For for like creature, you know, beings that can live for centuries and centuries, twenty years really isn't that long. Um, and so you kind of discover more about their friendship and what was the real meaning of, of the visit and was there an ulterior motive to the visit? And um, so, yeah. And then um, anyway, I mean, I mean, there's like I don't, three I don't, or four more. There's a few other little <laughs> subplots. I mean, I guess the other major one I should mention there's is the other elf guy. Elf, right. There's an yeah. elf guy named Arondir and a, and a human woman who's a human healer. That's her, her profession, her job or her ability. And her name is Bronwyn. She has a son named Theo. Who I guess I should pause to mention has the only traditional or classic name in the entire series, from what I can tell so far. <laughs> um, although Theo might be short for like Theodondere or something like that. I don't that, know. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Theodier. Um, yeah. A lot of them end in R or L. I've noticed a lot of these token names either end in R or L. It just seems to be a something he's interested in. But right. it sounds anyway. Pretty. There, there's, uh, there's this little kind of you know subplot where like the elves are there to guard the humans and the humans in this place called the southlands aren't very happy about it um and erendir and bronwyn seem to have a connection maybe a romantic connection but because it's a human and an elf it can't really work um you know hu elf and human uh connections the elf basically has to become mortal and so it's a huge sacrifice if anything like that were to happen because elves are immortal, it doesn't really truly mean they're immortal. Like they can die in battle, for example. Um, uh, but if nothing like stops their life, they can they can live forever. Um, unlike humans, which will just naturally die of old age. And so anyway, there's there's a subplot there. And then you know, orcs are discovered, and and the humans of that area have to kind of figure out how to battle, mm -hmm. or avoid, or join, or whatever you know, with the orcs. And so. I don't know. It's kind of probably too long of an explanation, but there's well, so much I mean. more like, to it. There's so many you know, yeah. 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 
I mean, a, I, there's I, a lot going on. Right. And, and, and I guess I'll say for token fans, uh, and, and maybe this is where Danny may disagree, but I think for token fans, it's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of meat on the bones here. I mean, there's a lot here that have, I think have been faithful from everything I've read from tokens writings um, to the types of stories. Now, characters are made up. I mean, characters that token didn't write are made up and written into the series. Yeah. Um, and, and of course, you know, plot, plots, things that happen are, aren't part of it. But there was a second age. There, a lot of these characters are from token, such as Galadriel and Elrond, you know. And then the races are there. I mean, the Harfoots, even though they're not Lord of the Rings, token wrote about them. Yeah. Um, and so, so, Mark, I, I just want to say real quick. Go ahead. Because you said we're not supposed to, like... We, we don't want to be re well, referencing the books or anything. So no, I he said that about I, him. I, no, 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 no. I just so made him that for him. I just made him arbitrary. Well, Danny, you, you let it do whatever fly. No, 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 no. So I'm, I'm just saying this because <laughs> okay. I do want to know on its own merits, yeah. how do you feel about that? Because like, I'm, I'm hearing a lot of justification where it's on, like, oh, on it's its own merits, I like it. And I know it's because like, I'm a well, fan, right? Well, you know but I do want to know on its own merits what you think. Here's why I like it. Because I was thinking, I'm going way back to 1999 and thinking about um, the, when the Phantom Menace came out, which is mm -hmm. the the first you know episode one, and it had been, it was a huge deal. It was 16 years after Return of the Jedi, and most people kind of found things to criticize in it, such as mm -hmm. Jar Jar Binks or whatever. Well, I read Roger <laughs> Ebert's review, and he gave it an absolutely glowing review. He called it like a visually stunning spectacle, and he made an interesting comment that said like this would be praised as a masterpiece. And he might not have used the M word, but as like a really, really good movie if we didn't have Star Wars, right? If, if, we, were, yeah, if we didn't no, have I, any of those original Phantom three movies, people would great, be like, yeah. wow, this is the movie of the year. Yeah. And I kind of wonder if we didn't have uh, Lord of the Rings, I'm talking about anything, intellectual property, books, movies, this yeah. may be considered like, oh yeah, a must-see TV. You know, whereas I think a lot of people, especially the, the stance of Token and Lord of the Rings, groupies, I don't know, that makes no sense, but you know what I mean. Like, mm -hmm. I, I feel like those people are finding ways to nitpick and criticize and have problems with it, where I, I really don't. I, I mean, I definitely know that I, there are certain things that I can see when I see them on screen. I'm like, okay, that was, there's a corporate reason why that's in there. Like, that, that was a bunch of people in a room saying we got to make sure that's in there. I've seen some of that, but mm -hmm. to me, it doesn't overshadow or ruin the experience of it. Yeah. So the, um, the great experience, stories that you're yeah, invested I, in, characters I'm into you're invested it. in. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, I'm into it. I mean, I don't think it's great, but it's good. It's good. And it's and there's certain things about it that I think are great. And I've mentioned this before, I think, like the settings. There's a human kingdom, an island kingdom that was given from the elves, sort of brought up out of the sea by the elves, which I don't understand, but given to men um, called Numenor. And, and a lot of it takes place there. I mean, basically from episode three or maybe the end of episode two on, there's a lot that happens at Numenor. A lot of palace intrigue and many new characters are introduced throughout those third and fourth uh, episodes. But it's a really cool looking place. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I recommend it. I've, I've enjoyed it. Um, and, it's, and then one nice thing about it too is, and because some people I see comparing it to Game of, not Game of Thrones, but House, House of, of the Dragon. Dragon. House of the Dragon. Oh, okay. Well, it's like TV 14. I mean, it's fine for, for kids even. You know, like maybe not yeah. really little kids, but you know, like there there's some, I guess some violent orc. I was going to say some of the- Orc violence. The, the, some of the violence I saw scary. in the fourth episode today 
Yeah. Or no, no, maybe the third episode. Whatever the last one I saw was when the when the orcs are going after the when the elves try to get away. Mm-hmm. And the orcs. Yeah, there's there's some. The, I, would, no, I guess the I would. I would call the PG-13 type violence, but nothing okay. that's R. To, uh, yeah, not that, nothing me. that's too. Yeah, nice. and and orcs. It's yeah. interesting. Lord of the Rings has some pretty violent orc stuff, but then yeah, when they, no, they, they don't even bleed red blood. I'm like, gosh. Yeah. I, I haven't let my kids watch it yet because I just I don't want to give them like orc nightmares. But well, so you want to know what's funny soon. on that note? Yeah. So <laughs> when they did the extended edition of Battle of the Five Armies, it actually got an R rating. Oh. Have you have you seen the extended? No. It's well, but it's like this crazy CGI violence where like it's just kind of more beheadings and disembowelings yeah. and stuff. And it's kind of so cartoonish that it's kind of funny to think. This is what caught an R rating, like, like a Tolkien movie in R rating. Okay, that is. Oh, well, that was. Uh, yeah, all right. Um, hmm. So, so can I go ahead? Can I Good. report yeah. on Rings of Power now? Yeah. Um, so, to start on a positive note, um, it was, it is better than I feared after I saw the trailer several months ago. Because when I saw that trailer, because mm. I'd been kind of excited, I thought, oh well, cool. You know, I, I'd be up for a. A series from Tolkien, Lord of the Rings ish type stuff, you know, and and then I saw that trailer and just thought, ooh, this looks a little weird. I'm not really sure about this, and so I've been very apprehensive about checking it out. And then of course I read some of the you know kind of the negative uh, feedback and stuff. A lot of which seemed to be kind of like you said, Mark, about uh, talking about you know tor- uh, Tolkien source material and and being faithful to you know this or that. Um, now, because I think that don't they say that they it's it's taken from the appendices, not necessarily because this isn't this is Silmaril- the Silmarillion, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, um, no. So it was. It, I, I definitely have enjoyed it more than than I feared. Um, I still have pretty mixed feelings about it um, yeah. for a lot of the reasons that, like, I totally understand the idea of wanting to kind of measure it on its own merits and try to allow mm-hmm. to stand alone, but I just don't think you can do that because the whole reason for this thing's existence is that it is based on and, and building on, you know, cause I, I guess the most concise way that I would say it is that if I wasn't already a fan of the Lord of the Rings books and, and films, and if they didn't have the connections in this series, I wouldn't be interested in this series. I wouldn't keep watching it. Mm-hmm. The, the characters and storylines that I've seen, they, I mean, they have their good moments. There's, there's some that I like more than others, but I don't know that there's enough on its own that would make me, like, I'm, I, I am most interested to see how this connects up with what I know is to come, mm. right? When I hear about certain character yeah. names that maybe I won't spoil them here, and so yeah. I think, okay, so this is eventually. So in my head, I'm thinking, all right, well, so I guess the series is going to be leading to this particular thing that we know is going to be a precursor to what happens in the Peter Jackson movies. Right. Yeah. And, and so, and this, I I think it's actually really appropriate that we talk about this, the same episode as Andor, because it's kind of a similar type of deal where, you know, I, I remember that one of the, cause I, I liked Rogue One quite a bit. Um, but one of the, the most interesting criticisms I heard of it was that it was just so dependent on new hope and star Wars in general 
that it didn't stand very well because it would it'd be completely indecipherable to somebody who had never seen those other movies. Now, granted, mm-hmm. you know, nobody who goes to see Rogue One will have never seen any other – like nobody's going to see that as their first Star Wars movie, right? So it's not a big sure. deal. But I kind of thought, well, you know, if it wasn't for – the connections to these other things, would these things be okay on their own? And I just, I don't know. Like I, as I look at the different storylines, I'm not invested yet. I'm not really blown away by the characters and it's, it's definitely watchable. And you know, there's some great production quality. The thing, in fact, I think the thing that I've enjoyed the most was Mark, something that you've already pointed out, which is that it was really, really cool to see, is it Baradur or or where? No, you said it was uh, Moria, right? Mm-hmm. So so in Lord of the Rings, we see the aftermath of this great dwarf kingdom inside of a mountain. Yeah, but we don't see what it actually looked like when they were living there. Right, and yeah. and this is really cool. Like what what mm-hmm. they've done to show like what this was actually supposed to be as a living working community is awesome. Like I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But again, that's dependent on it being connected to something that I already kind of have a background with and can kind of, you know, connect these, these narrative dots with. Um, and I don't know. I, I also kind of get the sense and, you know, I'm sure that this is intentional, but it kind of feels like they're repeating a lot of the same motifs as, oh, as oh, Lord right. of the Rings where it's like, okay, let's have a romance between an elf and a human, and a human. because it's yep. not going to work. And so oh, there's, there's going to be tension about, oh, are they going to give up the immortality? Right. Right. And let's, uh, let's have so another relationship things. between a dwarf and an elf, and, a, right. and an elf, right? Because yeah, a little rivalry slash rivalry slash relationship. Yeah. yeah, and and even and 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 an exiled king, a potential exactly. human king exactly. in exile. When that happened, I I kind of saw that coming before it even was revealed. I'm like, oh, this is going to be like Aragorn, but yeah, uh, you know, yeah. And so yeah, because I I definitely think that story that good storytelling includes echoes of yeah. other True. stories and things. But there's a difference between an echo and a soft reboot. And well, it feels like there's too much going on here where they're just kind of repeating the same things for the sake of, yeah. I don't know if it's a lack of originality. I, I don't know. This, I don't know. Which is I, not I, to I, say that I, I, I do like right. lots of things about it. There, there's, there's definitely more positive than, than I expected. Um, I'm really frustrated with Galadriel's character, honestly. Like, she's just not very likable. And I, I assume <laughs> that that is because there's supposed to be a character arc between mm-hmm. the Gladriel that we see here versus the one that we're going to get to know. Mm-hmm. But like, she's just so dramatically different than, than Kate Blanchett. Right. Mm-hmm. She's overly ambitious. She has something in her that she just has well, to fight. She and wants just to, to the fight point no where you just want to say, Hey, just chill out. Just chill out. Will you yeah. just sit down and take a breath. Stop there, being such a punk. One thing you see in this in You're this You're already show, this at 2000 years old. This is why I was talking about sort of like corporate decision making at the writing level I think in this is there are about probably four of the five most important characters are strong warrior like female characters in this. Um and you go back to like Fellowship of the Rings and it's like what was it nine dudes just walking through the mountains you know what i mean and they they meet galadriel and they meet the the, the other uh, i can't remember the one that was um live tyler the elf but like you know it's it's mainly guys and so i think there was a very like a deliberate intentional decision to have female characters kind of at the forefront of this so yeah and of course i mean uh galadriel's the best fighter around and can be all the guys you know and so you see that but 
I, I mean, I didn't really have a problem with it. Yeah, I don't, I don't love well, her. Well, I don't have a, she's not I don't have a problem with her being a female but, character at all. It's more yeah. just kind of that she's just not very likable. The attitude, kind yeah. of. Maybe a little bit of the attitude. Yeah. You know, um, I. What one thing that I I would like to see because I think you're you're mentioning it like okay you want to see how it connects and it's kind of like when you're watching say uh, Better Call Saul and you see somebody it's like oh that dude's in Breaking Bad that's so cool yeah. like it actually is kind of <laughs> cool like when you oh okay yeah that's where it started where he started but like with this one I actually really want something unpredictable for example yeah. since there's so many characters that are new. I think it would be kind of cool, not that I'm like rooting for death, but if they actually killed, <laughs> if they had a shocking death where it was like they kill off a character that's unexpected and it kind of is, it makes you sad and it's, it's like, oh wow, that was, I did not see that coming. Because there's certain characters we know they're just not going to kill off since right. they're in Lord right. of the Rings, right? There's a lot of new ones that I think it could create a pretty emotional, you know, story arc for that character and for the people who know that character. Like, let's say they just, you know, episode six or episode seven, do something. And even go back to Fellowship of the Rings when you thought Gandalf was killed, but wasn't. But I mean, it was pretty sad, you know, like, oh, he's gone. Like, that was weird, you know? And um, was when, that your uh, reaction you know, in the theater? Well, I wasn't like, oh, that was weird. I mean, I was sad. I was like, you just fell into that chasm. That was a weird. <laughs> you fools. Yeah. We need well, to go oh, see that's... more movies together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Anyway, uh, well, maybe you'll get that mark because, like, a lot of the um, you know talk before more of the promotional stuff came out was that, like, you know, this was supposed to be like Amazon's Game of Thrones, right? Yeah. Like, not necessarily maturity-wise, right. but in that popularity and that they wanted epic. it popular, big budget. Yeah. Big, they want to bring a lot of people to So you might get a surprising time. death, then you know. There, there might be. I mean, I, I would, yeah. I, I think that could happen, but. Yeah. To me, it's not just a little story like you were talking about where they do the soft reboot, kind of like Force Awakens, where maybe there's oh, yeah. good fan service. Yeah. No, and, and I, I, had to, I had to admit that to myself, too. I mean, I really yeah. loved Force Awakens. I liked a lot of things about it. But then I oh, just yeah. really just kind of had to begrudgingly admit that was totally a reboot. In, oh, it was in, in so a, many ways. And, and, and this, and is this one is not that bad. I mean, by comparison, this isn't even close to the same thing. It's just mm -hmm. that there are so many very deliberate you know, echo choice, like relationships that yeah. are, and, and so it, it just kind of makes me think, well, yeah. okay, so what are you going to do differently here? Because I thought that part of what was cool about Gimli and Legolas was that they were kind of breaking ground and they were bringing mm -hmm. these cultures together after centuries of, of, you know, tension and stuff. And so again, kind of, and you know, we've kind of talked about this before, I think where, by doing it, however, like two two thousand years or whatever it is, previous, mm -hmm. it almost kind of undercuts what what's to come because all right, well, I guess in the timeline, a lot of, could happen. Yeah, a lot could yeah, happen. Yeah, and that I don't know. I, I it's I get it. I know what they're doing. I see what they're doing. I understand the context of it, but it kind of I don't know. I guess I guess right now there is just not enough that I really like to mm -hmm. not be annoyed by the things that are kind of frustrating. Mm -hmm. Like I feel, I feel kind of half and half on, on rings yeah. of power right now where, like I said, it's definitely better than I thought it was going to be. Um, do you, for sure. do you think ahead. you're going to keep watching it? I don't know. That's the question. Honestly, yeah. is yeah. that, you know, so, so if this helps, 
I mean, there are series like, you know, Stranger Things and stuff where as soon as you're done with an episode, you're, you're kind of dreading the end of the episode because you think, oh, oh, it's almost going to end. And, you know, and then you just, OK, got to go for another one. I just want to go even even when I'm rewatching seasons of shows like Stranger Things, I still want to just keep going to the next episode. Oh, I feel yeah. Yeah. Rings of Power. I don't feel you that. don't feel that way. Yeah. You're like, OK, good. I got it. It's done. I just well, no, no, like I no, it's else. not. Like I said, it's not it's it's kind of like right there in the middle right where yeah. i'm not just sitting there thinking oh my gosh this is garbage this is so bad not at all i mean the you know the production value is good the performances are good there there are lots of individual things that i like but mm-hmm. it did occur to me while i was watching the episode i was watching today where i just thought man you know if it wasn't for those tie-ins to you know lord of the rings I don't think I would be, I mean, part of it is just, I'm not a huge fantasy fan. Lord of the Rings is kind of the exception for me in that regard. Yeah, I feel that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think I'd be willing to give it a couple more episodes for sure. Just to kind of, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I would be the last one who, who would argue that a, a show has to be awesome from the first episode in order to justify its existence. I mean, <sighs> we kind of need to give them time to grow. I, yeah. one of the, you know, Funny enough, one of the only exceptions that I would, I would get there, if this well, this will make sense. I've been rewatching X, the first season of X Files, and man, like that show was just good from the beginning. Like right from the beginning, it was just really, really fantastic. But uh, so not everybody has to have time to grow necessarily. But uh, yeah, you know, I'll give I'll give Lord of the Ring or Rings of Power. Rings of power. Lord of the Rings of Power. Yeah, Lord of the <laughs> Lord of the, Lord of the Rings of of power, how I met your mother, <laughs> whatever. Well, do, I mean, do, do we have any idea how many seasons they want to do? Oh, uh, Quite a I, few, I, think. I think I was reading. They're already doing the filming the second one. I think okay. um, I need to check. And I think, yeah, I, I think this is just something that kind of comes with a territory with anything that's a prequel and maybe because I only saw the first couple episodes of, of uh, uh, better call Saul. And yeah. so, because I, as I understand it, that's one of the more successful prequel series slash movies, right? Mm-hmm. And I and I totally sympathize with this, but I think, man, it is so hard to do a prequel series well, because, mm-hmm. like you say, when the audience goes in knowing what's going to happen to all the characters, I mean, first of all, there's only a certain amount of tension when they're in mortal danger, because you know it's not really mortal danger, right? But then also you know, trying to write something knowing what the end has to be, can you run the risk of forcing the round peg into the square hole, right? Because I think, you know, I think that letting something happen more organically and naturally, you know, sometimes the stories, you know, I I would want to say that uh, I was uh, reading Stephen King's on writing. I'm going to give credit here. I'm not sure this was him saying it, but he almost kind of talks about how the stories will write themselves, right? You kind of start mm-hmm. with, with characters and premise and stuff. And it's, it's not like, well, I know what A and B and Z is, and I'm going to push it towards Z no matter what, mm-hmm. you know? So I, so like I say, I really respect the challenge of, of doing something that kind of has kind of a prequel nature to it. But yeah. part of the reason I respect it is because it's so often doesn't work out very well. Yeah. But, so we'll see. I know. I, I sorry, Mark, think- I've, when you're you're carrying you're carrying the torch for rings of power oh, now, okay. and so yeah, 
when Breaking Bad came out, I actually, um, not Breaking Bad, when Better Call Saul came out, I thought it was going to be just a bomb. Like, it was really? not going to be good. I was like, they're going to do a whole series about that lawyer, and if it's a prequel, it's kind of the same problem I, I had. Like, I just didn't think it could carry a show, and boy, was I wrong. Like, I love it as much as Breaking yeah. Bad. Really? Yeah. Um, and, and they were able to weave in so many interesting other characters, and a lot of the ones that we know, and... Um, I, I just, I just think they did such an awesome job with that. With with this one, and I, I, well, I've tried to. Pay, oh, go ahead. No, I, sorry. Just before you move on from Better Call Saul, I was just going to say, like, my reason for not watching it is not that I didn't like the first two episodes or or whatever. It's more just kind of the feeling like watching Breaking Bad. Like Breaking Bad was probably one of the best shows I've ever watched, but it was also just like one of the most like spiritually draining. Just like mm. leaving me thinking the world is an awful place and there are scary <laughs> people out there and I don't need to be reminded of how terrible the mm -hmm. world is. And yeah. so I just kind of thought, yeah. oh man, if, if Better Call Saul is going to be the same thing, I just don't know that I'm, if if I'm up for it. If you could do it again. It. Yeah. It, it's yeah. not. Because I, I, no, I have no doubt too. that it's a fantastic show. I mean, they do. Yeah. They did such a great job with Breaking Bad. I'm sure it's the, you know. Breaking Bad is much more violent, first of all. Is it? And uh, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are not, there are not very many deaths in, in Better Call Saul. And, you think about it, I mean, when you look at what it's about, it does kind of make sense, you know, like, um, it does get more violent as it goes, but I mean, Breaking Bad, I feel like was violent from the uh, oh, yeah. episode one. No, and that's what I mean, you know? is that watching Breaking Bad, um, after a certain point, there was at least one moment with every episode where I had to ask myself, ugh. do I want to keep watching this show? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like this is really. I mean, the characters, the the, the acting, the writing is all fantastic. But oh man, just like, oh, there was always just kind of one moment where something would happen. You'd just think, oh man, this. Well, is what, so going back too to, much. Going back to ROP. Now that it's it's known by an acronym. Oh, is that what <laughs> is that what you just is that what you just called? They call it ROP. The cool ROP. kids are calling it ROPing around. Yeah, all the kids walking around episode. calling it ROP. Um, <laughs> They're like, yo, you see the latest oh, rock? cats. Yeah. So <laughs> I, um, I, I like some of the themes that it explores. Like, for example, and this is even Fellowship of the Rings, right? Like uneasy alliances that have to be forged in order to defeat evil. I mean, sometimes yeah. is it worth it if it's like you have to be with your enemy to team up to, to defeat evil? And then there's another one about like, if you make a promise to a friend, like a, a, a loyal, like your oldest friend, and then find out that maybe you have to break that promise because your your king or your higher up tells you it's necessary to save the kingdom, there's some difficult kind of ethical dilemmas there. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you've even maybe even gotten there yet. And then the other one that's kind of from the beginning is like, you know, when people, when someone is convinced that there's an evil lurking out there, but maybe the evil is lying dormant, how much energy and time and resources do you spend like chasing after it versus sort of just trying to lie it, you know, be prepared, wait. And, and that's, that goes on in this too. Mm -hmm. Like, is it good to go out and just affirm, like proactively, aggressively look for the evil or sort of lay back and, and maybe make preparations, but don't really hunt it down because maybe there's a chance it's not really going to bother you. Like you stir it up and, and this, that's going on. I mean, that's really kind of what the whole deal is with the main, you know, main character. Well, and she's also, I mean, her big motivation, as I take it, is that she wants to avenge her brother because that's, yeah. Sauron killed her brother, right? Again, right, which is totally, right. you know, justifiable. It just, yeah. it just seems like, 
I don't know. Because like I said, I, I understand the idea that we w they want to give Galadriel a character arc. And so the idea of her being the, the wizened sage, you know, that she is in, in Fellowship of the Ring didn't, wouldn't make, you know, it wouldn't totally make sense, but yeah. I don't know. It just, it just seems like the foot's a little heavy on the gas pedal. And I, yeah. I, I think that it might be better to kind of tone it down. Know, yeah. It kind of makes you think she's going to suffer an even, maybe an even greater loss or something where it's going to have to really create a shift in her personality uh, mm -hmm. eventually to get to be the more the Galadriel we know from Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Um, maybe it's just a decision she has to make at some point. And so, um, yeah, because she's, she's just a hard headed, know it all kind of, you know, like leader in, in a lot of ways, but, mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, and just, on, and also to throw that in, I also noted and thought it was pretty cool. I guess the thing, stuff I like best is with the dwarves, even though, <laughs> no, because I I also thought that was kind of a cool kind of recognition observation when you know we discover that the reason that uh, it wasn't Balin who's the what's the name of the dwarf king the, oh Durin Durin oh, yeah no. No, yeah I think Dur it's Durin Durin is the friend of Elrond his father's the king but yeah oh okay well the, the friend yeah. of Elrond but yeah. the 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 concept of twenty years to a dwarf versus. 20 years mm -hmm. to an elf. I thought that was pretty cool. Cause I thought, yeah, yeah no, I I, it, it makes sense that if you just kind of check right. out for two decades to an elf, yeah. it's like six months, you yeah. know, the, or I, I think the one storyline I haven't gotten into that much yet is the Harfoots. And I really think yeah, they put that I, in there because hobbits are, are at the center of Lord of the Rings. And of course the yeah. Hobbit and, and yeah. it's so far, I, if, I mean, you could almost, depending on what the mysterious stranger is, that's when you could almost cut out or even put a little bit even more on the back burner because there's they're just not much involved to the central story with what the Harfoots are going through. Um, although there's there's theories about who the mysterious stranger is, um, but they kind you know kind of say, well, could I mean, it really be it's a human because he be crashed kind of into the obvious, earth and he right? lived? I don't know. I don't, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I mean, I guess they could surprise me, but I kind of hope they do surprise us, right? Like you don't. I, like I said, I don't want it to be too predictable. The one type of like like character they haven't done yet as sort of a, a similar you know type character is a golem. I feel like. Yeah. Uh, although maybe it'll well, happen because Gollum used to be a hobbit, a normal hobbit. What? Well, no, he was. Uh... One of the river people, right? Yeah, he was Smeagol. Yeah. He was a river. But he, but he wasn't. I mean, they those weren't hobbits, though. Oh, I was wrong. Okay, he was. Yeah. Was he just a human? Well, not. But no. they're like a different. They're like halflings, but they're not hobbits. Oh, okay, okay, a halfling. See, I I don't even. I'm not up on my Lord of the Rings, so <laughs> there you go. Your your lore of the of the rings. My lore of Lord of the Rings. Could yes, you please. I hate it. <laughs> if you join our Patreon group, we'll have our special <laughs> class. There, there will be we'll be able to talk about the lore of the rings, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and I'll complain about more stuff. You'll be able to get uh, <laughs> twice as much complaining for your for your dollar. Oh goodness! <laughs> no, okay. gosh, there was. And see the movie I saw tonight. Oh man. Oh. We'll talk about We'll next have to hear week. about that next week, huh? Yeah, yeah, because I did. So, well, I don't know. Yeah, it's an hour and 12. 
or at least well you before, could probably say you've Daddy. seen it people do that you just aren't allowed to like i know give your opinion on no it, right? and i but, and yeah. i should yeah so I, i'm not even gonna i'm not even gonna do that i'm just gonna say that a, i saw a movie tonight before okay. this recording uh that uh unfortunately by the time you are listening to this episode the embargo will not have lifted and so i cannot say uh-huh. what the movie is or anything about it but our next episode will definitely cover it mm. so that's a good hook there you go get excited hey. people make sure you subscribe what else is so coming on here when <laughs> yeah what else uh, what else is happening people what can we what can we leave off with final thoughts uh statements announcements Pitches, promotions, please, Danny, what you got? <laughs> and this has been really, really hard. Um, but I've been thinking about it a lot, just honestly, for the last couple of months. Um, and it was just like super back and forth. But then the last couple of days, I felt a little more sure of it. But I'm thinking this is my last film pod episode, and I'm thinking I might be leaving Utah. Oh. So like, it was just. I don't know. I've been so back and forth and like, I know this for a while where it's like, I probably wouldn't make a great professional critic. Although I've learned so much from doing this and Josh, you've been just the most amazing mentor and I've, I've loved working on this so much, but it's like, I know my list of what I'll see is like so short. And so this year it's been like super tough and like, you know, I, I, I was thinking like during the summer, I'm like, why am I doing this? And then like Maverick came along and like Marcel and, Uh, Mr. Malcolm's List, I'm like, oh, these things. But then it's like those things are so few and far between, you know. And then there's just like a lot of stuff going on personal life, too. And I don't know. I've just been feeling really inspired since um, I watched that Stallone interview. And he talked about how he didn't like what he was seeing in the industry. And it's, it's not a big surprise that I'm pretty disgruntled with the things that are coming out right now. And I've just been feeling a lot lately, like, I want to be trying to go for producing again. I started doing this because I was, like, super afraid, where I'm like, what am I doing with a film degree if, like, being on set is, like, making me really nervous and stuff? And I thought maybe I should be a critic, right? But, like, I don't know. Just lately, I've been feeling very inspired. I have this screenplay in the works that I'm feeling really excited about. Um, I'm going to be – I've, I've been filming a lot this week, but that's mostly for school stuff. I have a more official gig coming up in in two weeks to be a production assistant. And so, you know, I'm just kind of wanting to explore that route a little more. So So do I have to lobby to have you stay on the air or can I do I need to (laughs) do I have to make my pitch publicly? (laughs) No, I I mean, I get it. I, yeah. I'm really sad to hear that. And I hope that, uh, I hope that you'll still give it some more thought because I think there are a lot of reasons that we would be better off with you here. Um, for one thing, we don't have to keep talking about new movies because I don't like a lot of the new movies either. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, Which has been something and I think really we have nice. more fun yeah. when we talk about old stuff anyway, but, um, yeah. <laughs> so maybe, maybe don't, uh, Maybe it's kind of like the guys in Grand Tour, how like they stopped doing one version of the show, but started doing other stuff instead that was still broadcast because we still, we yeah. still need you, Danny. And so, yeah. uh, I, I don't know. I, I feel like I've said a lot of my piece. I'm, I'm afraid I've become a little bit of a broken record, but like, <laughs> but it, no, it's true. I love the like discussions we'll have mm-hmm. and everything. So 
Yeah, I and, I, and I don't, I don't want to give that up. I, I definitely, no. I definitely don't. But, but like, I, I do want to, I do want to validate the points that you make, though, which is that, you know, it's, it's kind of, I mean, the, the questions that you were asking yourself are questions that I have been asking myself for ten plus years, just mm -hmm. because, I, I definitely. I'm not going to go see everything that's out there. There's a lot of movies that I have specifically chosen not to review and not to, mm -hmm. not to go see. And, and it, it compromises you. It definitely puts you in a position where, okay, well, so how am I supposed to kind of do this job? I mean, we, we mentioned Sundance right. earlier, right? And <laughs> it seems like those first few times I went to Sundance, I, f I found myself sitting in movies thinking, okay, if I'm going to have to be seeing this stuff all the time to do my job, I don't know that I can do this. Yeah. So, so you are, you are not alone um, you're still needed. And so one way or the other, mm -hmm. I, I am not going to let you just ride off into the sunset completely <laughs> without right. a fight. So uh, I, maybe what we'll have to do is pick a few of Danny's favorite movies and be like, we're I talking mean, do we about just, this Do we just have to do lots Tuesday. of episodes on 90s movies? Is that like, <laughs> yeah, like classic? Because I'm ready. I'm ready. I, I would too. I, I love talking about, um, I guess the problem is I don't know how much like, like, viewers and listeners love it, but I love talking about classic movies and older oh, movies. Oh, yeah. my goodness, like, yeah. I yeah. mean, I think it's fun to pick even all-time greats. Like, I was thinking, gosh, the AFI list, the, the American Film Institute top films of all-time list, it'd be fun to go through some of those. Be like, okay, yeah. why is this a classic? Or do we do we hold it in that high esteem, you know, as as AFI does? But, yeah, I mean, that would, that would mm -hmm. be... That'd be really fun. No, there's... no, no, it's good stuff. And I feel like I've just, I've gained so much respect, though, for the role of a critic. And, like, I mean, it feels kind of, like, full circle for me because I think our very first episode, we, we, Josh, you and I talked about, like, what is the role of a critic? Yeah. And just, mm -hmm. like, I've really been able to see that where, you know, it's such a valuable resource to know what is worth my time. And so a lot of, you know, the experiences I've had the last couple months was, you know, seeing what other people are say saying, and it's like, that's not worth my time. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yep. it's just like being the one to venture and being that source is, it's just, I, I know I'm, I, I want to give the listeners of this podcast, like that quality content mm -hmm. to help them. And I just, mm -hmm. I don't know if I can do it really well, at least not right now. So oh, sure. that's yeah. kind of... no, I, we, we totally understand. And, and yeah. we will, we will deal with whatever you decide to do, but You'll we just, we it. just don't want you to. You know, we, we want you to understand that we we want you. To yeah, oh, I, I know. You, you guys are amazing. Seriously. Yeah. All right. Well, on that uh, ambiguous open-ended oh. note, hopefully. <laughs> Sadly <laughs> ambiguous. So, but thank you for taking the time to listen. Thanks to Danny for all, all she has done so far, and hopefully we'll still Definitely. continue to do, at least in some, in some level. Um, and, uh, thanks to Mark and thanks to everybody. And so wherever you're at, uh, you know, well, now you have an extra incentive. Maybe, maybe drop us a message. Not, don't just suggest <laughs> you want, what you want us to talk about, but tell, tell Danny why she needs to stay with the Utah film pod <laughs> and, uh, drop us a positive rating, a thumbs up, a five stars, whatever, whatever the internet wants you to do. And, uh, Oh, we must obey the internet. Of course. That's mm -hmm. right. That's right. That's the only <laughs> consistent, uh, we know that for sure. <laughs> okay, till next time, kids. Mm -hmm.